0: My Wax Museum is a proud member of the Creative Grapevine. Before we get into today's show, I have two things I want to mention. First, if you want to leave us a review, it is so easy and you can do it right while you're listening to the podcast. You can go to ratethispodcast.com/wax. Easy, right? I also wanted to mention My Wax Museum has an Instagram page which has A ton of bonus content coming out. It's going to be really cool and full of things that won't be in the regular show. Here's a quick sample. What is your favorite day of the week and why?
1: Uh, I would say Monday. Um, I'm a bit of a workaholic. And I I try not to work on a Sunday. Uh, I don't always succeed at that. And Monday is always just a good feeling to get back to it and to be fresh for the week. Our Instagram
0: handle is at mywaxmuseum easy, right? So remember, follow us at My Wax Museum and leave us a review at ratethispodcast.com slash wax. Now, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by James Potter. James is the creator of ratethispodcast.com and has lived all over the world as a digital nomad, He's also worked in multiple startups and faced burnout. Today we discuss the quiet hamlet, the big city, and the importance of balance. And remember, after the show, make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. James Potter, welcome to MyWax Museum. Hi,
1: right, thanks for having me.
0: So how I start the show every time, like I mentioned, is how do we know each other? Uh, would you mind filling the audience in a little bit on the
1: our modern meeting? Yeah, sure. I, I I'm actually struggling to remember how exactly we came into contact. It was by email. Yeah. I contacted you about your your um your podcast, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So you you created this tool, ratethispodcast.com, and uh and you reached out to me because I have podcasts. And, uh, I'm actually a user of the tool now. And I thought, Hey, you know, what? why not have you on the show? I, I kind of every, every time I meet somebody, I'm like, do you want to be on a podcast? I'm like, let's chat. Uh, <laughs> I get a lot of nos, as you can imagine, but I'm glad you said yes, this should be interesting. Um, so why don't you fill me in? Uh, where are you from originally?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm from a tiny village in the, in the West part of England. Uh, it's called Bournton. Um, okay. population around 120 really small place all it yeah. had was a, a church 800 year old church that's it. that's
0: it no no shops Wow that is I think you out of everybody that I've ever interviewed you're probably from the smallest place
1: um, <laughs> yeah because Eng- England is a very dense place though yeah so it wasn't more yeah, than like a few a... miles to the nearest town right still right
0: in, in a hamlet I'm kind of curious what's like, what's the government organization like? Like, is it just kind of everybody for themselves or is there some sort of mayor or city council or something that gets kind of organized?
1: There was pretty much none to speak of. I think it was just outsourced to the nearest town. I mean, I left there when I was 17, 18. So I wasn't particularly politically aware, conscious Mm -hmm. at that point. But there were, you know, there was kind of a village organization that would... um, Put on a yearly. I think the only real undertaking they had was putting on a yearly hog roast.
0: Interesting. Tell, tell me about the hog roast. What what went on at this thing?
1: Oh man, um, not much. They just c- cooked a, a hog.
0: <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> That's all I remember. It, it's like totally self descriptive. Just sit down, eat a hog.
1: Yeah, just all the all the people of the village. Most of them. The average age was probably about. Sixty in a fi- in a green English rolling field with a tent and a hog.
0: That sounds like almost something out of like a, a Tolkien book. You know, just this small hamlet getting together to roast this hog.
1: The part of England I'm from, it was is said to be the inspiration for the Shire. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Um,
0: and so, okay, it, growing up uh, as a kid, did you? Did you like where you grew up? Did you have a longing to leave? What was, what was that
1: experience like? I've got mixed feelings about that. I definitely felt like it was too small and mm-hmm. nothing went on there. But that said, I had a lot of fun. You can have a lot of fun in the countryside because no one's really around to, to, to see what you're doing. So, yeah, I yeah. Used to love, I was a bit of a pyromaniac. I used to love making big fires and Molotov cocktails and stuff, but, um, yeah, I definitely had a longing to leave, and, I, and now I have a complicated relationship with the countryside. Like, I, I really makes me feel at home in some ways, but mm-hmm. I also love being in place. I love being in uh, like Manhattan, right? And I, I lived there for a little bit um, and felt pretty comfortable there. So I am strangely comfortable in both. So, so I am
0: curious then, um, living having lived in Manhattan and in this little town. Um, what were the best things about each
1: well in this in, in this little hamlet i'm from everyone knew each other they would say hello to you when you walk around mm-hmm. um there was plenty of space and rolling hills there was a sense of community uh, no, these are all things that you never hear said about new york right apart from in times of crisis maybe so what was the question was it what's what's good and bad what, about each yeah
0: what what's the or what's the best thing about each what do you love about each Okay,
1: and then speaking for New York, I would say just the sheer energy and dynamism of the place. It's not, despite the feelings of some people who live there, but it does feel like you're in the center of the world when you're there. Interesting.
0: Never, I've never been. Um, I think it'd be amazing. So tell me a little bit what it's like, because I'm assuming going there as a tourist is significantly different than living there. So what what was it like just to... Uh, to be there day in
1: day out yeah i mean i can only barely um claim that i lived there because it was only six months but it it was definitely more than more than being a a tourist i would say very intense very stressful you know you, you come home on the subway in the evening and everyone just looks exhausted but there's there's never any shortage of things to do it's very competitive and that makes you feel like you need to up your game I think that can be great for a lot of people, just even a year there or six months as, as I did. It can change your, change your life in quite a short space of time, I would say. While you were there, what changed about you? The, the reason I was there is sort of unusual, which is that I, I was starting a company. So I used to run this, um, I started this, uh, I mean, it's kind of a crazy story. I was living in Colombia and um, before that, back in the, the first cryptocurrency bubble, like 2014, I think I started this company, and then ended up going pretty well. And I, I needed to, I decided to come go to New York to kind of make this thing happen and get investors and all that. So I had quite a strange introduction to New York.
0: And so you started this company. You were living in Colombia. So I want to kind of back up a little bit. Maybe let's get some perspective, because you did mention to me before the, the main interview here that you've lived in a lot of different places. So you left home around seventeen, eighteen. you said.
1: Um, where did you go? Well, I went, at first, pretty, pretty simple. I went to university uh, okay. in Bath, which is a city also in the west of England, not that far from home. But as soon as I graduated, actually, even before I graduated, a few days after my last exam, I got on a flight to San Francisco and went to work for a company, a tech startup um, that some friends had started and they, need, they, they just raised load, tons of money and needed some help. So that's, that's how I got started. And then I, I had a choice then. I was either going to stay in the Bay Area and try and get a, a visa to stay in the US or, or um, the other option was to go travel around and try and work online. And be right. a digital nomad. I guess before that term was really used much, and uh, I decided to do the latter. So I went to I went to live in uh, in Thailand, uh, which is you know cheap and warm and and um, it's good food yeah. as a place to kind of get that going and not um, spend my money too quickly. And uh, pretty much what I did at first, I would try to travel and work at the same time. So I'd stay in hostels and uh, work on my laptop a few hours a day, and then do all the kind of other fun stuff that happens in in hostels that didn't last very long. It was pretty exhausting. I quite quite quickly settled on the routine of spending three to six months in each location and then switching it up pretty often. And I did that for a few years and ended up in um in Bali, in uh in the Czech Republic, in Colombia, in New York. I think that's the whole list. So, so that's that's where the nomadic part comes from.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so why? Um, okay. Why go from the Bay Area to Thailand? What was what was the
1: thing that, that got you there? I guess you didn't probably weren't expecting this when you asked me to do an interview,
0: right? Yeah, no, not at all. I was like, ah, he's created a cool tool and like I've met him, so you know, why not why not chat with him? And then I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Back up. Okay.
1: Quite unusual.
0: Yeah. So uh, what, what what got you to decide to go to Thailand from the Bay Area?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I don't really know. I think I read I think I read about it on a forum somewhere. Some other software developer who'd, who'd moved to moved to Thailand and was working online remotely as a freelancer, and I thought, "Wow, that's bananas. I'm going to try that. Wow. And, I, <laughs> and as you... I said, it's, it's cheap and it's, it's warm and it's pretty open you know, it's very open to foreigners, so it just seemed like a good, easy, exciting place to go first.
0: yeah that that is way cool. Um, okay, so um, when you were a kid did you think that you'd end up living this nomadic lifestyle
1: no not at all i mean it's it's not something that runs in my family none of my family lives abroad they all live roughly in a a pretty similar area no wow (laughs) honestly
0: yeah that's pretty awesome uh
1: (laughs) and
0: like yeah okay so okay thailand and then where was after thailand
1: um so I i was in thailand for about six months in a, in mostly in a city called Chiang Mai in the north part of Thailand, okay, um, which these days is absolutely full of people doing this uh, kind of digital nomad thing. And uh, I was looking for the, uh, some something new, kind of a new adventure. And uh, a friend, an American friend I had there, she told me go to Prague. Okay, which I, at first I thought it's not that different to where I come, or, you know, where I came from. A couple of other people tried to pers- tried to convince me. How great it it is as a place to live, and uh, I thought I'd give it a try.
0: And uh, and what were your impressions of Prague? What was that like?
1: <laughs> um, pretty different to what I'm used to. It has. I didn't love it, honestly. On the strength of recommendations from friends, I decided to just go ahead and, and sign a lease for six months and just mm-hmm. give it a real go. Because I they also had a friendship group ready to go there that my friends introduced me to. But I found it quite a strange place. I mean, I mean the. Um, the, the Czech people are great once you get to know them, but it can be quite, quite difficult to make friends with them. Um, that part of the world, you hear that quite often, that part of the world. It was a fun place, but it, yeah, it felt like it had a bit of a, a dark side to it, like a lot of vice.
0: Okay, and then, and then after Prague, um, where
1: where did you go? Um, so I, I met I have a good friend from Mississippi. I met in Prague, his name's Grafton. Well, I, I decided. I, I don't know how I heard this. I, I, how I decided this, I think possibly a recommendation from friends. But I decided that I was my next spot was going to be Colombia. But my my friend Grafton, he told me, "Well, if you're going to go, you have to go through the U.S. to get to get to Colombia from from Europe usually." And he said, "Hey, I used to have so much fun working on my grandparents' farm when I was a kid, and I'm sure they would love to host you on your way through." So so I ended up. Spending about three weeks living on a farm in Alabama, in re- really small, not quite as small as my hamlet, but really a very small yeah. town. So that was an experience. And um, yeah, and I en- ended up in um, a city called uh, Medellin in Colombia.
0: And uh, and and what was your impression there?
1: It was like nowhere I'd ever been before. People are very warm and friendly, and there's always music on the streets, or at least in my memory. They love to dance and. Just very gregarious people, completely unlike the English.
0: Yeah, yeah, v-
1: very not English. Typically reserved. It also has a bit of a dark side, famously, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really see much of that. It was, it was a great time. It was a very strange time. I met some quite colorful characters there, especially um, a lot of American expats, who had, a few of which had renounced their citizenship and uh, exited the U.S. to live there. Yeah, they were an interesting bunch. Hey guys,
0: future Alex here, interjecting to mention that My Wax Museum has an Instagram page. Here's a sample. What's your earliest memory?
1: When I was around, uh, I think, three years old, I distinctly remember having a tantrum uh, in the street because I, I went through a phase where I would only wear green. My mom was trying to, to persuade me to wear some other color of trousers or pants, you might say. There, where you where you are, okay. yeah. I can't. Yeah, I, that's pretty early, and
0: I remember that. That's amazing. Our Instagram handle is at My Museum. Super easy, right? Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so okay, so you went um, from the UK. You went to
1: school, and then San Francisco, and then uh, Thailand. Sorry, one more thing in Colombia is that I rented a room that I found in the kind of local equivalent of Craigslist and then later learned that it, so it was a penthouse that had been divided up into rooms. There was like 12 rooms in it. I went to live there and I, 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 later, I found out when I arrived that it was Pablo Escobar's cousin's penthouse what? And, he'd been, and he'd been assassinated on the street outside uh, in the 90s. Well, that was the story the host told me.
0: Wow, that is interesting. Holy cow! Okay, so uh, then from Colombia, you went to New
1: York, right? Yeah. So w- while I was there, I I started getting interested in 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 Bitcoin. Um, I was kind of messing around with a, a project to build essentially a trading platform for Bitcoin. It started to go really well. A lot of people started signing up for it, and I decided I, I wanted to. Find investors and really turn it into a you know, proper company. Um, and I had a friend in New York who had a spare room, and, I, and I'd always wanted to go there. So I thought, okay, this is an opportune time. So I, I went to the US, uh, I went to New York, and um, I then had maybe the most stressful part of my life, which was building this, trying to build this startup alone, dealing with customer support and, and creating, yeah, building new features while also pitching investors. And trying to persuade them to uh, invest in my company, maybe the most intense six months of my life. But then I couldn't get the U- I couldn't figure out how to get a visa to stay in the U.S. Sort of unraveled, and I, I had to go back to London.
0: And so uh, then you head back to London, and I, I know from firsthand, uh, visas in the U.S, not super easy. Uh, they they make it very complicated and 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 i'm canadian so that means i have it easier than anybody else in the world to to deal with that stuff here but it's still it's still a burden so um so you head back to london
1: were you still working on the startup yeah yeah it was still going um the idea was just to move everything um and L- london had, has a pretty good tech startup scene but about Six to eight months later, I had um, a spectacular burnout. Been working solo on this thing for months and months, just burning the, the candle at both ends, working yeah. every waking hour, working every weekend. Um, I have a real workaholic uh, side of my personality. And that combined with the pressure of a tech startup and having investors that you want to, want to be pleased. Mm-hmm. Um, just led me to sacrificing everything else in my life, like exercise and relationships and my health, really, mm-hmm. and just putting everything into this this, this startup. And um, due to the... I was supposed to hire someone in New York, and then when I had to leave, I ended up needing to stop that process and start from scratch uh, in, in London. And so, yeah, I think after around... Fourteen months or so of this from the beginning, I I, I just I flamed out. I just I uh, I couldn't work anymore. I, I just my 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 brain just refused to keep going like this, and entered almost like a sort of depressive period. I think so. I I ended up um, actually leaving the company uh, and handing it over to someone else. And then I wasn't able to do any work for four months after that. So yeah, it was a pretty traumatic time and that's when I, you know, I had some experience in Asia and knew it pretty well and, um, decided to go to Bali just to recover and ended up not doing much for four months, just mostly doing yoga and, and chilling out and occasionally trying to do some work again and, and not being able to.
0: Interesting. And so, um, after that burnout, um, going to Bali for four months, he said, yoga is this you you mentioned you found surfing um is this where you found surfing
1: in bali yeah that's a bit later
0: during that four months though what did you do um i guess other other than yoga including yoga what did you do to recover from that burnout
1: i tried to get away from anything tech related i ended up living in this little town called ubud in bali which is the kind of um creative, historical creative center of the island. Uh, a lot of painters and sculptors and woodworkers and, and things. And um, these days you have this uh, ragtag um, group of people who, expats who live there, like foreigners mm-hmm. who, who live there and call it their home. And they tend to be of a kind of new age variety of people. So they deep, often deeply spiritual and um, do a lot of uh, things like contact flow dancing and um, meditation classes and everything you, can, everything you can think of, breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and that's not really my, usually my cup of tea, but I thought, okay, I'm just going to try all this stuff just to see what it's like uh, and get out of my comfort zone. Yeah, so as, as a kind of quite, quite a reserved English person, I found that. Uh, difficult <laughs> so I mean I think the, the hardest thing I went to was um, a thing called ecstatic dance which is just hundreds of people in a yoga studio with quite new agey music playing there's no structure it's just everyone just goes mad and dance is the most free-form way possible and it's just this is my absolute nightmare I finally some friends persuaded me to, to go and I, I was mentally prepared for a couple of weeks and then went, And <laughs> I actually kind of liked it so yeah, I did a lot of stuff, a lot of, a lot of weird stuff like that, really, um, to recover.
0: Interesting, and so um, now then, um, hopefully, hopefully you're not burning yourself out right now. Um, so what do, you, what do you do to maintain that, um, I guess, steadiness in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I learned a big lesson with that burnout, which is that I, I had to recognize I do have this workaholic tendency, and if I don't keep it in check, then um, it starts to take over. So I have a, a kind of an agreement with myself, which is that I am not allowed to work after 6 p.m. unless I really need to. I have to be careful with that definition because <laughs> you know, often I'll find an excuse. Yeah, that and, and finding exercise, especially finding, finding surfing, yeah, really, really really helps me keep a, keep a balance.
0: I, I am the opposite of a workaholic. I'm a, you know, I'll fit it in here and there. So I don't have any, you know, I'll work at whatever time, whenever, because, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm a very creative, just slip it in where I can kind of person. And, and so I'm curious, w- would you trade that workaholic um, attitude and mindset? Uh, if it meant you could just relax and just like do normal? normal in air
1: quotes sort of things no i quite like it now now that i have a better relationship with it it's extremely useful during the daytime because i get a lot a lot done and i'm very productive and i have learned how to switch it off and do other things but i I do i do tend to work at weekends i I, what i what i think the the balance i found is i don't work as much as most people work during weekday but i work every day and just not 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 the whole day
0: Interesting. Okay, so you you've developed this good relationship, which I mean, your relationship with your workaholism, uh, that could probably you could do a whole podcast on on that alone, um, and find plenty of guests to to host. Because um, I I know that's definitely there's a culture around it, right?
1: Yeah, this kind of uh, hustle, yeah. hustle obsession.
0: And I I used to really try hard to to get into that but I think I think my personality requires I
1: I I work a little bit differently than that do you say you work um you work less or you just work at quite strange times so you'll find inspiration in the middle of the night and you'll work in the middle of the night but you probably work the same number of hours as most people
0: yeah I'd say I'd say that I work about the same number of hours I just do it at different times and I'll do like sometimes I'll do a full day of editing and then the next day I'll just write or the next day I'll just walk all day like I just it's just kind of random but it all gets done and I like to think I do a pretty okay job at it too so yeah I think it's a very whatever works for people you know yeah so with that I have so many I have so many other questions I'm I'm curious about but that's kind of where we're going to wrap up the interview I'm especially curious about you only wearing green when you're a kid maybe before we finish i want to i want to hear more about this you mentioned this in our quick questions um and so why only green
1: i i have no idea i wish i could interrogate my three-year-old mind but somehow somewhere something clicked and i decided that green was the key to salvation <laughs> and i just refused to wear anything else And I would throw tantrums if uh, anyone tried. Luckily, I grew out of it. And I don't think I own even a single piece of green clothing now.
0: Really? Wow. So you've really swung the other way. That's amazing. Uh, Okay. This is such an interesting thing. So uh, when you look back on your life uh, from the finish line, at the end of it all, um, what are the things you're most proud of? And what are you most pleased with?
1: Can I just clarify? Do you mean from this point? Knowing what um, I've done, or from the nope. theoretical end of my life,
0: from the theoretical end of your life, anything that even you haven't done, what do you hope to have done that that you can look back on uh, with a smile?
1: I really enjoy building tools for other people that um, are simple and easy to use, and and they, mm-hmm. I like to think that I, I can look back on on that and derive some satisfaction from it. Yeah, and I, I, uh, what else? Um, I just hope I've had an interesting life of adventures, which mm-hmm. I have so far, but, um, you know, there are some signs that I'm starting to become more of an adult, and uh, I just hope I can keep up the adventuring. I have, a, I have a kind of drunken pact with my friend Bart, who I did the limousine trip with. When we turn 40, we're going to do it again. I'm not sure that's going to happen. But.
0: I mean, but it'd be pretty rad, so just keep keep it on the list and uh and hopefully you can. So, um I guess I guess we're at the end. I mentioned um I mentioned at the top of the episode that you created ratethispodcast.com, which is a tool that I use. Um, and if anybody's wondering the the link for uh, My Wax Museum is ratethispodcast.com/wax, uh, where you can go and uh, leave us a review. But I I only say that now because you created that. So uh, why don't you let people know uh, where they can find
1: you and, uh, and just kind of what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. So my, my personal site is jamespotter.dev. Um, and you can find out all about my past projects and, and adventures and things and what I'm working on right now, um, as well as ways to, ways to contact me if, if you like. So right now I'm working on ratethispodcast.com, which I started about five months ago. And that's all about helping podcast creators get more ratings and reviews and and feedback for their their shows and uh, also help them track um, their reviews across all the various platforms just so they they can keep up to speed with um, what their listeners are saying and 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 so they can improve their shows and also um, ratings and reviews are important to as as a kind of first impression for potential new listeners so when, they, when they're looking, looking at your show show's listing and um, are trying to decide whether they want to become a subscriber, they'll often read the reviews and look at the ratings. So,
0: And I have been enjoying using the tool and I've enjoyed having you on the show today. So thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's been a pleasure.
0: And thank you for listening. Not just to this show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more to the people around you The people in your life that you just happen to know. Take some time, just five minutes, to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.